It's football under the F words after dark. This is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on X at F words pod. Mike Herndon. We already got like, we got people piling in. It's probably the quickest we've ever seen people pile in. They were anticipating, heavily anticipating this episode, probably because they know that I am extremely drunk and we don't know what's going to happen. And I just cracked <laughs> open another beer of pep talk here by bluegrass beverages our sponsors here hendersonville tennessee uh the great beer selection liquor selection wine selection it doesn't matter they got everything you need at bluegrass beverages 50 years in business that means they got your grandparents likely drunk they probably had your parents because of bluegrass beverages they got drunk they went to bluegrass beverages bought some liquor, got drunk, your grandparents had sex, thus your parents were born and able to have sex and make you born as well. Is that how it works? I'm pretty sure that's how it works at this point. It's a lot of parents and grandparents sex talk to open the show. Bluegrass beverages, making sure that everybody has sex and also that you forget that everybody had sex. And I'm joined by Mike Herndon. You can follow him on exit Mike Herndon NFL. Uh, you wrote today uh, about stuff that, like, I feel, I feel like we talk about this all the time, and I don't mean to demean your work, but it feels like an article that we've talked about for like the last three weeks because the Tennessee Titans have sucked for the last three weeks. Like, it's like the same kind of stuff that we're we've been talking about. Not not to say that people should not go to podcastgate.com and subscribe, and not pe- for people to say not go and read this. But it's more of a state of the Tennessee Titans that I feel like there's just nothing to write about unless you really go digging. <laughs> and that's a sad state of affairs for the Tennessee Titans and for content in general. Yeah, I mean, this it's a team in purgatory, right? Like, I mean, they're they're they've been circling the drain for a month now. Um, now it's just a question of, you know. What is what does the draft pick look like? And we've got literally five or six months to talk about what well, is the draft and Trey pick. Trey for like. second inbox his art. He's like, hey, I wrote an article and he sent it to. He usually sends it to me overnight, and but he sent it to me really early on Tuesday. And I look at the title and goes, "What Titans have the most to gain?" And I'm like, ah, "Fuck, are we just really in that point where everybody's writing the same thing?" Like if that, and we're not Look, even into the off season, right? Like this is just a sad state of affairs, and fuck this team for putting us through it. Well, it's this, it's this weird thing, and I, I've gone through it before, I guess, like at the very start of when I was writing about the Titans. Um, but I remember it, it. You get to this point in the season where it's like, all right, the on-field stuff is no longer compelling because the season's over, right? Like, I mean, it, whether you win or lose really makes no difference at all at this point, besides draft position, which, as I mentioned in the article, I'm like, yes, you want a better draft pick. But, like, if the Titans win one of these games down the stretch, like, it's not the end of the franchise. It's not like, oh, well, they're never going to be able to recover from this because they won a game. And, I mean, look, like the freaking... um. Texans winning a game at the end of last year to cost themselves the number one overall pick may have saved their ass from doing something stupid like taking Bryce Young over CJ Shroud. Um, so it, it's uh, it, you just you never can be guaranteed what player is going to be better than another player once once you know rubber hits the road and all that. But 
the, but that's all that's left. Like that's all that's left is figuring out what the draft position is. And then it's just like, Hey, can Will Levis, you know, continue to show sign? Like he's shown enough already. I think that like, he's the guy next year, right? Like nobody's doubting that at this point. Um, but like, except continue. for uh, some guy that goes on the Colin Cowherd show and says that the Tennessee Titans should absolutely try to go after Russell Wilson or whatever his fucking stupid tweet that everybody's now re-exing and all this oh, stuff putting God. out there. There, I mean, Russell Wilson is apparently Russell Wilson and uh, Tennessee Titans and Atlanta Falcons number one destinations in this guy's mind, which he's on the Colin Cowherd show, so they don't watch football. Like people, they bring on that show. <laughs> have no clue about the inner workings of anything going on with any team outside of like the New York Jets or the New York Giants or like San Francisco or Philadelphia. They have no clue what's going on with, with Tennessee and they're just spewing idiotic shit. And again, it sucks that we're having to hear and read the spewing of idiotic shit because Tennessee Titans have been eliminated so far in advance to the end of the season. Like this is just the state that we're in is that we're going to have to put up with this shit and we're going to have to put up with ignorant people that don't watch the team. Some of them in the same fan base <laughs> cover it nationally. Um, just how it goes. But just like the off season starts earlier. So it's going to be really hard after seeing how Titans Twitter has grown into this blob where everybody thinks they're an expert and puts no hard work into doing what we have laid the foundation to do. Like nobody actually has learned from you, from Jimmy, from a bunch of people, like even, even good dating back to Neely, but Sean Calderon is another one. That's a good example. Nobody has learned from all these people. They just think, Oh, well they can do it. So I can do it, which means that now they're doing it earlier. So now we're having new people crop up, new accounts pop up out of everywhere. Just doing this stupid shit to get the likes because Titans Twitter doesn't know better. They don't learn from their mistakes. And this is probably just not Titans Twitter. It's probably everywhere. Yeah, it's NFL Twitter. Probably tuned in right now because I'm going on this weird rant. But Nobody learns from their mistakes. So when in a couple of weeks or months, when everybody's complaining about this new account that has all these followers and you don't understand how all the, they have all these followers, your likes and reexes and all this stuff that you did earlier when they said stuff that you agreed with is the reason why. It's just, I don't know. Now, well, and, and, you know. I'm just a big ball of stress, dreading this off. no. We have the Senior Bowl coming up, and it's going to be exciting. We have a GM in his second year. Uh, we have all this cap space, but I just feel all the stress. Yeah, I mean, it's I hate I hate the off season to some degree because like it does become like it almost feels like a regurgitation of like the same talking point just reconfigured into like a slightly different package, right? And so like in the fact that we've had to start off season content early just makes that ten times worse. Um so it is and it's not like like today I would have rather written like something else as far as like a breakdown of some specific player or position group, but I also feel like that is better suited for after the season is over. Um 
than right now, <laughs> you know? So it's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of caught in between at the moment, which is a weird place well, you, to be. You write from a content week, creation. So like, you know, when I write a multiple articles, I'm like, man, this team kind of sucks. So, you know, full disclosure on Thursday, December 28th, I'm going to have an article that proves everybody wrong about Dylan Radins. And it's really not everybody. It's like a, it's like a, a small, very vocal, vocal minority. I don't even know if it's a vocal minority at this point, but people really have fallen in love with Dylan Radins and not realize that he's gotten a lot of help, that PFF grades are probably a little flawed in how they grade run blocking. But I went deep into it and uh, compared him to a bunch of a uh, couple of other right tackles. But again, this is that that to me, I agree with you because that that article should be off season article but I have nothing positive to write about for the Tennessee Titans. And I really have nothing negative that I I haven't already written. Right. I mean, at this point, how many times can I write that? Well, you know, the Tennessee Titans offense could do this or, well, the quarterback's not good or the roster's not good. And we're going to talk in just a second about this, this disconnect that some people have between being competitive and finishing games. But, when you look at what this team is compared to what it was on, <laughs> on, on Sunday, they had, cause I'm not counting Roger McCree technically as a starter on day one. He's not the starting 11. He's starting 12, but not starting 11. They had seven starters missing from week one to now. So only four starters, and if you count Roger McCree, so seven of 11 or seven of 12 mm-hmm. starters were there. And a lot of the guys playing were undrafted free agents, and they were still competitive. But that's that's been what this team has been. It feels like dating back to last week, the difference is, is that the players that were role players last year that Mike Vrabel was able to get something out of weren't playing the amount of snaps that they were this year, it feels like. But also, this team that we saw Sunday, this defense in particularly, is playing against a fully healthy Seahawks team. That's a playoff contending team, and people are like, well, this is not a competitive team. And they barely lost. Like, I don't understand the disconnect. And we'll, we'll dive it's- more into it, but that's just more like, to me, it's just like, what can you write about? Am I supposed to write about Eric Gare? Like, oh, well, no, Eric I mean, Gare can't, looks good for one fucking game. Yeah, you can't write about those guys because those guys are not going to be either. Either not going to be on the team next year, or they're not going to be in a starting role, right? Like, they're going to be like the fifth or sixth defensive back, uh, you know, coming off the off the bench or whatever, uh, playing special teams, that kind of thing. Like, if he's on the roster, you just like you can't. It's a waste of. He's a five-eight corner. <laughs> it's a waste of time to write about people like that because they're just—it's going to be obsolete within like two weeks. Once once the season's over, and you probably never see him in a Titans jersey again. I, I look at it this way, so uh, I don't—I don't mean to demean what someone is able to accomplish by getting into the NFL. Like Eric Gare getting into the NFL is pretty remarkable. But Eric Gare is only getting in the NFL because Tennessee Titans have a lack of depth. I don't know if he's going to be playing significant snaps for any other team 
other than Tennessee Titans, which this seems to happen constantly. Like, I, I don't think Jack Gibbons is going to be playing the snaps that he played for any other team because eventually they're going to be looking for his replacement much earlier. Like, if let's say he was on San Francisco. If Dre Greenlaw goes down and then Jack Gibbons goes in, they're going to be looking for someone other than Jack Gibbons constantly to not have to play him. <laughs> I mean, that's right. just how some other teams work. The Tennessee Titans have proven that they are really kind of stubborn in that kind of regard. Uh, I think but partially... also it kind of works for them sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. Like more often than not, they're able to pull in an Andrew Adams or even Jack Gibby for what he's for what he did. He was not he's not NFL good, but he was Tennessee Titans good, I guess. But again, that goes into the big larger thing of how fans view these players. They view them as Tennessee Titans good, which means they must be NFL average good. Dylan no. Ravens. But at the end of the day, it's just they got to figure something out, right? Like when, at some point, you have to figure out how to work those waiver wires and practice squads a little bit better than what they have. Yeah, I think they do. But I mean, at the same time, like the waiver wire and the practice squad, like you very rarely pulling like a guy off of those that becomes like a three or four year starter for you. Like at best, you're getting a guy that you can like plug in for the rest of the season and does okay, like an Andrew, Andrew Adams or somebody like that. But I, I think part of the problem with the roster goes back to like, I mean, at the end of the day, the one of the root causes is the fact that they went all in like in 2020, 2021, um, and we're trying to go for it. And then kind of went, uh, you know, kind of didn't back off of it last year, too. Like in 2022, they, they still thought they were, you know, in it. Um, and, and I mean, how they were for half the season until the injuries caught up and all that stuff. but. They went, they, and this, this gets me on the, the thing. Like it, people, and it's popped up again. Like, well, the Titans are cheap. They're not going to pay for anybody. No, they were cap strapped this past off season because they went for it over and over and over again. They were spending all the way up to the cap. They were restructuring guys. They were doing all the stuff that all these teams that you guys want to emulate do. Like they were doing the stuff that the Eagles do. Um, it just didn't work out for him. And, and that that'll happen. Like, look, it didn't work out for the Eagles last year either. Um, and it may not work out for him this year. It's looking that way. So uh, I, it is very difficult to do um, when you don't have an elite quarterback. They were trying to do it. I don't blame them for trying to do it. I thought they were close. I mean, hell, they, they went 11 and five and then 12 and five in back to back seasons. They had the one seed. I mean, they're like one freaking Tannehill bad decision away from potentially like making that run to the Super Bowl. You don't know like what could have happened in 2021. But anyways, like all that caught up to them, just like it's going to catch up to the Saints, just like it's going to catch up to every other team that does that. And you have to have a reset year. And this was the reset year. They weren't able to go spend a bunch of money last offseason. So they brought in a bunch of guys that were backups elsewhere that maybe had some. They also straddled the fence of they, they a did. Now, reset they, year. And they that, that hurt ripped the bandaid off. And I said that all offseason. I was like, this, no, just trade the guys, trade them, go get the draft assets, go get, you know, get rid of Derrick Henry, get rid of Brian Tannehill, all that stuff. They didn't do that. Unfortunately, they straddled the fence and now they're 
I mean, they're a little bit worse off for not having done that, right? Like you could have had a few extra draft picks. Um, but anyways, it's that's the reason that this roster is the way that it is. They had to have a reset year, and this is the reset year, and they've got you know several players right now that are playing out of necessity that would not be playing on most other rosters around the NFL, and that's just the where they are right now. Um, and then this uh, this offseason is going to be about fixing that, and whether you know how quickly can you do that with ninety million dollars and what should should be a top uh what nine pick at worst i think and we'll see yeah i think so i mean i i think they're going to be turning in a little bit higher than that especially with cj Stroud coming back um mike i've seen a lot of talk from i guess to put it politely i feel like a lot of people have leaned into a certain shtick and I've seen a lot of talk that about the one one score losses, which I'm not a big one score loss guy. You win or you lose, you win or you lose. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're competitive or not. A win is a win, a loss is a loss. And but I've seen people have said that this team is not competitive. Or and that these one losses are not one score losses are not indicative of competitive team just because they didn't win and because the NFL is built on one score lossing losses games, whatever. But I look at it and I say, there's a difference between being competitive and a difference between finishing the game. And I think that if you watch the games, like you claim to do, like some people claim to do that, you would know that this team has been competitive in these games but they have a hard time finishing. And maybe these people will hear that and then they will move the goalposts and say, well, that's not what I meant. I meant, like, if you're, if, you don't, if you're not competitive, if you don't win in the final two minutes of game, then you're not competitive. Well, that's not really what you meant. You just meant that they weren't competitive the whole way through a game. But when you look at the Tennessee Titans and what they fielded on Sunday, on defense specifically, because defense is... Yes, the offenses need to score more and everything, but the defense is really what had the opportunity, like they've had in many games, to put the stop, and they have not had the stop. They had Danico Autry, starter at the beginning of the year, Quentin Bohanna, Jalil Johnson, Harold Landry, starter at the beginning of the year, Otis Reese, Aziz Alshair, Starter, Arden Key, starter, Eric Guerrer, not a starter. No. <laughs> Elijah Molden, not a starter. Kayvon Wallace, not a starter. Trey Avery, not a starter. And Roger McCreary, we'll give it a half a starter. So I, you have I would, all these I would guys. consider McCreary a starter, personally. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, you either got to take him or you got to take Denis Guatri, right? Like, you, there's 11. At the original 11, one of those guys would have to be excluded because you got yeah. Sean Murphy Bunning and Christian Fulton on the outside. That's just, that's just how it goes. So I just call yeah. it half a starter for that. Yeah. But you have these guys, right, playing the game. These And, and they were competitive. Like, the the Seattle Seahawks were not blowing the doors off the Tennessee Titans, so I don't know how you can sit here. Listen, it was a boring, shitty ass game. 
per the norm for the Tennessee Titans. But it was a game that was still close with all those guys. Acquitted Bohanna. Like, that is a definite fake name. That is someone that is witness protection. You cannot convince me that Quentin Bohanna is not witness protection. That that is that is ridiculous. And we're gonna say that this team wasn't competitive just because they lost the game. Yeah, that's there's ridiculous. a difference it's... between competitive and difference between finishing, and that's what this team has been. They've been competitors, but they're not finishers. Yeah, I mean that look, they've been truly blown out three times all season. That, that's it. Cleveland, um, uh, Tampa Bay and Jacksonville. And and all three of those were, you know, kind of within the first half of the year, roughly. If you look at the last five games specifically, you know, they've outgained their opponent in four of the last five games. Two, uh, two of their losses in the last four, which they're two and three over the last five, but two of, two of the three losses are overtime losses. Um, and then the other one was the Seahawks loss, which was obviously down to, you know, the, the final possession, they had the ball with a chance to go potentially tie or, or win the game. Um, they're very competitive right now. Like they, they clearly have not quit They're I, I think they'll continue to be competitive. I think they'll be competitive against Houston Jacksonville these last two weeks. I don't know whether they'll win They're those just games. Not good enough to you, win. <laughs> you kind of hope that they don't right at this point. Like, I mean, I, I know p- some people will get mad about that, but like, at this point, a win does nothing but hurt you. Um, now it doesn't kill you. I'm not going to like cry into my pillow at night if if the Titans win one of these games or whatever. Like, but it's like fine to admit that it's better for the franchise if they lose, right? I mean, it's those are just the facts. Um, Do you think Miss Amy sees it that way? Who? Oh, Amy. Amy I'm sure. I, I think she probably has to at this point. Going, I th- I'm going sure. to versus the Texans. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I to me, you wonder. To me, I I can't imagine it. I mean, I'm sure she doesn't necessarily like losing, but I mean, the season's lost. It, it is a bad season already. So I, I think it, at least you could get a, a nice consolation prize of like a highly valuable pick. Um, out of this terrible season rather than a win that ultimately means nothing. I mean, I guess it would be kind of fun to play spoiler for, for one of these teams and, and, or maybe even both of them and knock them out. But at the end of the day, like if you knock out Houston or Jacksonville, that just means you're helping the Colts, right? Which doesn't, doesn't feel good either. So um, I don't know. I like, again, I, when I watch the Titans play, like I have a hard time, like, not rooting for them to do well. Like I, I want Derrick Henry to score the touchdown when they're on the one yard line. I want, you know, I, I want, that. I want Will Levis I, to, I, know, I don't want complete he, the pass the when the ball's why. in the air. Well, yeah, I've yeah, got him in my fantasy why, team. I, I, like, first off, you have Derrick Henry in fantasy. I don't want you to win any fantasy <laughs> glory whatsoever. Fourth but championship appearance in the last five years. I don't years. want I mean, people thinking that Derrick Henry is still really, really good. And he should be resigned because everybody forgets the right. And, there is dead money on his contract. Well, that dead money has to be accounted for in some form or fashion. So when you go and redo his contract, you already have $4.6 million you have to account for. I don't want I don't want people to like Derek Henry anymore. And I know that sounds really weird, but I'm just sick of it. Like he has 10 rushing yards over expected expected total in the whole season. 
That means that he is pretty much performing what he can perform. And he's only going to decline from there. He does not deserve a a crazy contract that people want to give him. At this point, he is a slightly above average NFL running back. I don't think he's better than Tajay Spears, honestly. I mean, I I know like Henry had a good game last week, um, but Spears looked just as good in the carries that he got. Um, I I just I think Spears is the more dynamic back. I think he's got he clearly has more juice. Like when he gets the ball, like you see how quick he hits the hole. Uh, you see the kind of burst that he has. You know, getting through. It's just a different level of player at this point and I, I think Spears is a better back so like I they've got to go with Spears next year it's just the bottom line like if you bring him back Spears plus someone right, right like because yes. I mean right they, now it's Derek Henry plus Spears so then you're gonna make it Spears plus someone else yeah you don't need Spears to be a like 35 carry a game back like there's no such thing as that in the NFL anymore so you've got to have a complimentary guy but like a Deontay Foreman would be an ideal complimentary back with, with, uh, with Spears or like you can find a guy for 2 million bucks or something like that. You don't have to pay Derrick Henry, like $10 million or whatever. And whatever you got to pay him on top of that. Right. Right, That's the thing is that people don't understand and, and that's fine. You know, it's really up to the radio stations to really put this out there, but $4.6 million in dead cap plus Whatever you're going to pay him. So it's not like it's all cut and dry. It's like, oh, well, it's just $2 million contract. And, or, or I guess people want, there's a lot of people that want like two years, 18 million. So it's like, if you pay him a $9 million, if you pay him that, then you still got $4 million on top of that. Cause I know these people who are saying that do not know that there's $4 million still left out there, which is, just insane I mean, to me that we're at this point in in the social media age that people cannot Google Derrick Henry contract. I mean, That's I, all I you have to do. I don't do anything special, people. I'm just gonna throw it out there. When, I, when I, people I, ask me a question, when people ask me a question, I Google the players and first the first name, last name, contract. That will tell you everything you need to know. I'm I'm telling you, like the amount of people who ask questions on Twitter, and like this isn't to take shots at anybody, but like people who ask questions on Twitter, I'm like literally, oh yeah, all, all I'm gonna do is Google it or go on Pro Football <laughs> Reference and look it up. You could easily do this as well. Like it is not, I'm not a magician. I don't have all this stuff in my head or anything like that. Uh, it's as easy as just a little research. But people are look. This is one thing I found out over the years. People are terrible at research. Like the the general person out there, like they just don't know where to find stuff. They don't know how to look for stuff. I don't I don't know how, but like you can find almost anything on the internet. In a, uh, in a world where Google is like the king, the king bitch of the sea, it's like right. Poseidon, right? Like it knows everything. How can you not figure this out? Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's good that they don't figure it out and start Googling stuff on their own because it keeps us in a job. But it's also like, <laughs> dude, you can't go Google that Daniel Jones has an easy Daniel Jones contract. Oh, he only has really one more year left uh, on his contract. Like, you can't go Google uh, that. I will say the contract stuff. A lot of people just don't understand how the NFL salary cap works at all. Uh, much less to the level that like you do. Um, so it's 
uh, the, the contract stuff I get to some degree because some of that stuff does get a little bit complicated if you're not familiar with like void years and non-guaranteed salaries and you know what signing bonus has to be prorated if you restructure like all this stuff like there, there's a learning curve to that stuff so I get that so we both bit. agree though people need to google more people should google but more. also this team yeah this, this like team is definitely not competitive, like Super Bowl team competitive, but any given Sunday, it's going to put out a competitive product just with the wrong result. Yeah. And like, look, I mean, I, I think this team, um, they're not that far off, right? I mean, like they're playing right now. They're playing probably their best football of the year overall. Like it's still not great. Like I, I'm not saying that this team is where you want it to be or anything like that. But they're playing these teams in like basically coin flip type games. I mean, they're they're not finishing, which is what you're talking about. Um, and that ultimately is uh, important if you're going to be a competitive football team in this in the the scope of like comp- competing for a playoff spot or complete competing for the division or competing for a Super Bowl. Like you have to be able to win some close games. You have to be able to come through in the clutch, but like, what do you expect from a team that has a, like the worst offensive line in football starting guys that they had, like would have never in a million years dreamed that they would be starting at this point in the season. And they have a rookie quarterback out there. Like, and I mean, I get like CJ Stroud's been really good, but like, he's not the norm for rookie quarterbacks. Usually you got to take a few lumps. You got to learn, uh, you know, get through that like rookie. Yeah, you know. and there's no guarantee he's going to be that guy coming off a con- a major concussion, apparently, or going into a sophomore year because there's sophomore slumps all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just just because he's had a great first season doesn't mean like we should put him in the Hall of Fame right now or anything like that. And just because Will Levis is, you know, not been that good doesn't mean he won't be better than him at some point uh, in the next three or four years. But we'll see. I mean, like I, I think Levis has shown enough that. You're excited about him, but his ability to like finish games and and win you games and stuff like that is going to come along. Like, and look, you're also playing with basically one wide receiver, right? I mean, there's a lot of problems with this team, which we have talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. Traylon Burke said this one really good game, and that means because he had one good game, that Tennessee Titans should. I've heard so much stuff about the Traylon Burks game. So was uh, it even Garrett really Mason, that good? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Derek Mason said they went out of their way to feed him the ball in the um what game was that? The Texans game, I guess. Was that Texans? He caught game? three passes. He had three. But three they went targets. out of his way. They went out of their way to make sure that he got the ball according to Derek Mason. Like this God. is what we're contending with. And I heard that, and I go, what the fuck? Three touches <laughs> and three and a couple of targets. They they <laughs> your whole game plan for to make sure that Traylon Burks got the ball in that. No, I don't think that's the how it went. I think that's insane. That's insanity to me. They did not. They did not suddenly go. Oh shit! This is the week. This is the Traylon Burks. We're gonna throw him every pass, and then he ends up getting like four targets in the game. Like that's not that's not living in reality at some point is that they changed and schemed. It's it's utterly insane. It's driving me insane. (laughs) But then I put out a tweet because um 
you know, last week we had our infamous uh, Christmas wish Dare Santa show, and you vetoed. You vetoed me trading Traylon Burks to the Steelers for George Pickens and a fourth round pick, mind you. You vetoed it, and then I George- actually, I know, I think, I think the fourth round pick was going the other way, right? No, 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 no. You may be misunderstood, but that's not how my notes say. Okay. Uh, and that's definitely not what I meant. So you may be misunderstood, but George Pickens goes off and I put out an X that says like, oh, you know, George Pickens in one game and then Traylon Burks in eight games. And there are people in my replies who are defending Traylon Burks. And I'm thinking, why? There's look, Why there's no, are you defending Traylon Burks? There's no question Pickens is a better player. The only reason I vetoed that was when I want Pickens nowhere near my football team because I think he's a psychopath who is Sometimes all the things. Oh, what? Sometimes you need those psychopaths. Terrell yeah. Owens, Chad Johnson, you know, those kind of crazy I, guys. He I, he is kind of in that lane a little bit, but. I just I don't think I want him anywhere near my football team. I don't think he's good for a franchise to have around, despite like clearly being ultra talented. Um, he's a better player than Trey Burks, zero doubt about it. Um, and look, Burks, I've I was a Burks fan coming out. I liked Burks. He's been a huge disappointment. Um, but I also think that for us, is, I think if Burks and Pickens were pretty close. Yeah, like, I definitely. In our rankings. Yeah, I I was, I mean, I kind of said the same thing at the time of the draft. I was like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Pickens is the best receiver that comes out of this draft. But then, like, there's a million red flags, too. And it's not just the off the field, or not, like, really off the field stuff, but, like, just the antics, you know, the, like, distraction stuff, the fact that, like, he just decides not to block some plays. Um the like just the distraction of him and the way he is but there's also the injury stuff that that he dealt with at georgia that i think was a red flag as well so like i you know Ge- i probably being have- from georgia is probably just a general red flag at this point right i mean right. like well, that's why their helmets are red. maybe it's not like a steadfast you know red flag in cement but it's like in sand like we're gonna have to check this red flag out well, that's why their helmets are red because yeah, it's just a reminder. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we we have one. We actually have like one and a half more topics to get to. We're thirty five minutes. So if you are there's a lot of you guys watching online right now. If you have some questions, we'll get to your questions at the end. So just flood the uh, comments with some questions. We got a few already. Mike, something that your mentor said this morning on Robbie and Rexford, Paul Karski, he said that he thinks that fans, when they don't see a player out on the field, that it must mean that the coaches are stupid because this guy must be the guy. And this is talking about Caleb Murphy and many other players over the last years it's it's a very very much the absence makes the heart grow fonder kind yeah. of situation in that people see that caleb uh murphy he uh got 22 sacks against uh blind kids and deaf kids at <laughs> in division five did he play for yeah. division five i think 17 division Fenris 17. state <laughs> fair, fair state. state yeah ferris state so the guys who made the ferris will 
also have a college. Uh, so you got 22 sacks over there, and then you got a couple of sacks versus some seventh round uh, scrubs in you know preseason, and everybody thinks that he must be the second coming of Javon Curse. Now he's basically TJ and Watt. even yeah, even though the outside linebackers haven't been an issue, they still think that Caleb Murphy should be getting 30 snaps a game. And I agree with this premise because I go back to, and I'm guilty of it. I'm sure you've been guilty of it as well. And certain players, not all players, but certain players, where you're like, why is this player not playing more? Travis Gibson would be one. Yeah. Why Dylan is Travis Radins Gibson? at times. Who is that? Yeah, Dylan Radins at one point. Now we yeah. realize why Dylan Radins is not <laughs> starting more. Uh, Travis, Travis Gibson is a good one because he has shown promise and ability at other teams in a full-time role and then comes over here and then he's not worthy of full-time role because Rashad Weaver is breathing in here on the team for some reason. But I want to talk about this premise because I just think it's a good premise. Like the absence makes the heart go grow fonder. Why do you think that people really care about Caleb Murphy? And they have cared about him. I did not have Caleb Murphy making my final 53 because I was like, well, that they're just wasting a roster spot. And we're here in week heading into week 16. Hasn't that been the case that they are wasting a roster spot with Caleb Murphy who could be on the practice squad? Because there cannot be. Because if someone really wanted Caleb Murphy, couldn't they come and offer you a seventh or sixth round pick and you just take it for an undrafted free agent? I mean, maybe. I think they must like something about Caleb Murphy. Um, and, and I think from a fan standpoint, it is purely like this dude put up crazy video game stats at like the whatever D2, D3 level, whatever Fair State is. Um, he put up Party crazy level. numbers. And it's it's a fascination with the idea that like, oh, well, maybe this guy would put up those crazy numbers at the NFL level too, um, which is a wild thought. Um, because if he was as good as what I think fans want to make him out to be in their heads, he would have transferred from Ferris State to Georgia or uh, you know Alabama or something like that at some point in his career and put up crazy numbers there um, instead of staying at Ferris State and, you know, playing against a bunch of guys that are now, like, working at Costco. Um, but it's, I, like, coaches aren't dumb. Uh, and I think that's something that, like, a lot of fans jump to the conclusion that the coach is an idiot um, because of XYZ personnel decision or whatever. And I just don't think that's true. I, don't, I just don't think Mike Brabel is a dumb human being i don't think he's a bad football coach i don't think he is a uh guy that just doesn't understand what he's looking at when when a you know player especially at the position he played at the nfl level is out there at practice like if caleb murphy was just putting the titans terrible tackles you know into the dirt and like destroying you know scout team drills and shit like that he'd be out there. Like we've seen him do it. Like Anthony Ferkser is an example. He was putting up crazy numbers against like the Titans defense for the scout team. 
Vrabel puts him in. He plays him. Like, you know, I, he's not blind and oblivious to that kind of stuff. So, like, tells me Caleb Murphy's just really not doing that much at practice, which, by the way, like, when I was at practice this summer, the practices that I made it out for, he wasn't doing a ton. Like, it's not like Caleb Murphy was jumping off the, the field at me going like, whoa, who is this guy? You know, it was just, he was just kind of another guy that was out there. Occasionally he'd flash, but like, it wasn't anything uh, amazing. Like, I just think people build these guys up in their head because you haven't seen them fail yet. And in your mind, you're going, well, I haven't seen him fail, but I've seen these other guys fail because this team sucks. So maybe if we put this guy in, everything will be fixed and it'll be better. And we don't have to just be like Dennis Daly last year. Right. I right, mean, we all yeah. thought they couldn't get worse than Dennis Daly. And then it got worse. I remember even talking about like so much worse play, play the Raven Clark at this, at some point last year, I was making the case for like play the Raven Clark because God, it cannot get worse. And then they did play the Raven Clark and it was worse. It got um, worse. And then they, they go and get Andre Dillard and it was even worse. Who, by the way, people it's wanted to trade worse. for at the trade deadline last year. Um, right which would have been a disaster, even a worse disaster. Well, I guess maybe it would have saved him some money. I don't know. So maybe it would have been okay. But uh, yeah, it's, it's mean, insane. It, it's it. And I get it. Fans. You, it's fans wishful thinking. Something. It's wishful yeah, thinking it's wishful that like, thinking. this guy's going to fix everything. If you just put him in. Yeah. I was going to say fu- they're fucking stupid, but I like wishful <laughs> thinking. You guys are a bunch of wishful thinkers. <laughs> Not a bunch of fucking idiots. Wishful thinkers, the Titans fan base. Um, Mike, the next time that we talk, both Alabama will have played a bowl game and Texas will have played a bowl game. <laughs> Are we heading towards the biggest rivalry game that either of us have seen between us? Because, I mean, this is Alabama versus Texas. I don't even think... Yeah. You know, us in the fantasy playoffs, us, you know, you know, arguing about whether um, chair tarts going to get $10 million like you thought. <laughs> None of that is going to matter because it's Alabama versus Texas. First off, I want to I want to hear your thoughts while yeah. we are awaiting some more questions. I want to hear your thoughts. How scared are you? Are you are you of Washington? I, I'm pretty nervous about it, to be honest with you, because like Texas has been fantastic this year. They're a really complete football team, but the one place that they've consistently been vulnerable this season is through the air. Like teams who can who can attack their secondary. Secondary is a weakness, and especially the safeties, um, who want you know they they their best safety right now is actually a five star freshman, true freshman, uh, Derek Williams, who is going to be suspended for the first half of this game because of a targeting penalty that was ridiculous um, in the Big Twelve Championship don't just don't game. Don't target you, fucking losers! What are you I teaching over just, there? You it's just Greg Williams on the Texas staff. <laughs> but they uh so Derek Williams will be out for the first half, so that is concerning. They also had Jalen Catalan who played some some snaps for them but wasn't really a starter, who is transferring out and will not be a part of the bowl uh, preparation either. So they've got a couple of safeties that they trust, but they're actually taking, like, who the guy who's really their best defensive back right now, Jade Barron, who's a slot corner, and they're cross-training him at safety in case he needs to play some snaps there. 
in the first half until Derek Williams comes back. Oh man, back. this is so not the right team to be it is seen not, in the first round. <laughs> not not with my you know Michael Penix and and uh Roma Dunze and and Jalen Polk and Big Penix Synergy and, and, and McMillan and all these like this this team is Washington is built to be able to take advantage of Texas's biggest weakness. Now that being said, I think it's the most fun game by the way of the of the entirety of the college football playoffs as far as the the big four, no matter what the matchup is, I think Texas versus Washington is the most fun game. Like, I am so excited to fucking watch it. Like, I think it's It's, it's going to be a baller matchup. It's it's a lot of good NFL talent on the field. I mean, the wide receivers alone are going to be like box office because I mentioned the three guys from Washington, but then Texas has uh, Xavier Worthy, Adana Mitchell, and then uh, Jatavian Sanders, the tight end, who all of those guys are like potential first round pick caliber players. Um, we talked college football, and this whole like the the whole viewership went down. I can't believe it. I I, I don't understand it. Maybe maybe wives are coming into the bedroom and they're like, hey, why are you watching these two guys, you know, (laughs) fucking talking to each other? I I think this Final Four is great. And that's not just because Texas is in it. I think it's a great, like, group of, like, 14, four different areas of the country, uh, four big brands in those areas of the country, you know, like, it's gonna be the highest rated right you have to assume that like the semifinals are gonna be the highest rated semifinals they've ever had i think so i I think it's gonna be great um and and look yeah i think texas is um probably overall a better team than washington but the the one thing that worries me is whether they're just gonna get torched through the air and look they played in a uh, you know bowl game last year too which bowl games i'm not sure how much you really want to like take from those um but washington beat texas pretty good now part of that's xavier worthy dropped two would have been easy touchdowns long touchdowns in that game because he was playing with a broken hand um in in the bowl game so that skews the result a little bit there but it's going to be very interesting to see because they couldn't they couldn't stop Phoenix last year now washington couldn't stop ewers either and i don't think they're going to be able to stop the texas offense so I think it'll be high scoring. I think it'll be fun. Um, I can't wait. It will to be interesting. It. They they were able to put up a good fight against the Oregon uh, offense, and yeah. it's 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 a little bit different in the way that's deployed, and you know, and all that kind of stuff. But it was impressive what they were able to do against the Oregon offense that share some similarities with the Texas offense, like. Yeah. Not structurally or anything, but you have two good wide receivers. You have a good quarterback that can make plays on the move. You have a good, you know, running back. You have a good offensive line. Like, there's similarities. So it'll be interesting to see. That's why I'm just so fascinated. Like, I know Alabama's going to truck Michigan. Like, they're going to fucking. I I think they're going to fucking bury Michigan into the ground. It's going to be hilarious. And especially if John Harbaugh has not signed this new contract extension. Coming or Jim Jim Harbaugh yeah. is not signed this new uh, contract extension, then he's out. Like if they get embarrassed, <laughs> he's going to the NFL. It does not matter. He's saying Sayonara, Michigan, you fucking suckers. I'm out of here. It the uh, uh, Chargers that that he's like rumored to be, yeah. you know, talking. Oh, it'll to be hilarious. Um, so you know, yeah, how's, how's announced... your household gonna hold up to, the, yeah, to that's that? That's what I'm about to say. So when he got announced. Uh, Lauren was somewhere else, but my 
it got announced Alabama, Michigan. Uh, my father-in-law, no, my father first texts me and he goes, he goes, uh, tell your father-in-law that we're coming for that ass. <laughs> and so I sent Doug, my father-in-law, that, that text. And, uh, there's been a little bit back and forth. So, uh, I, what I was told at a family gathering with the, uh, the in-laws, a big family gathering that was not allowed to buy an Alabama shirt. For any of the grandkids, so my nieces and nephews, not allowed to buy an Alabama shirt. Wow. Okay. So I bought um, uh, my my niece, a DJ EJ's daughter, a and she hasn't gotten it yet, but she'll get it here soon. A uh, the closest I could get to a crimson and black tutu because she loves tutus. <laughs> I got her that. <laughs> And then um, on New Year's Day during the game, Dad has rented out a a room to invite the whole family at a restaurant, and so we're going to a restaurant to watch the game, and everybody's coming. And so I got we got confirmation. So just I a few it. short years ago, both DJ EJ and my father in law were ready to convert, ditch Harbaugh, and convert to Alabama fans. So. This could be the final note on the coffin. We have a full Alabama family. <laughs> uh, we'll get to a couple of different questions here. We're going to start up at the top here. Uh, gut feeling. This is from Mark Jordan on YouTube. Gut feeling. Will we resign Derek? I'm going to say no. Um, That's my gut feeling. I think. I. I think. I it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up with like the Ravens or Eagles or somebody like that um, on a relatively freaks out cheap. Oh, everyone. Those would be the two worst destinations for, you know, Titans fans. So that'll probably be what happens. Yeah, my gut feeling says that he's not going to be here, but like I can think of a logical reason for him to be here and start. If I think about long enough. I can start thinking about, okay, well, if we do this, we do that, and then we kind of switch some things around. I can see why Derek Henry would be brought back. But I don't understand why he would come back. Yeah, I think... So that is the logical... The logical holdup I have is I don't know why Derek Henry would come back technically to this kind of a situation. So I'm going to go with my gut feeling and say Derek Henry will not be here next year. It's it's interesting because I think there's the reason the case for Henry, if you want if you want Henry to come back and, and you want to think about like why he might, he's like he's gonna end up being less than a thousand yards away from catching Eddie George. Um in fact I think he's only I think he's like uh seven hundred. Yeah, he's about seven hundred yards away from catching Eddie George for the franchise all-time rushing record um, that may matter to him. Um, Cause obviously if he goes somewhere else, he's not, he's not going to get that mark. He's already got the touchdown record, all that stuff. Um, I, I think he's a better running back than Eddie George for sure. Um, so I don't know if he like cares to just have the statistical marker since I think he's probably already got the like best running back in Titans history. Um, moniker i think that's his um but if he wants to come back and get that get to ten thousand yards here he'll be able to get to 100 rushing touchdowns here which would be a, a pretty significant milestone um there's some stuff that he could accomplish here statistically that 
I think might be meaningful for him and his legacy, I guess, as an NFL player. But the, on the flip side, like he may be able to rack up more yards uh, and have a better chance to win somewhere else. So it kind of will depend on what he wants more between, you know, leaving a legacy with the Titans or leaving an right. NFL legacy, you know, if he goes and wins the Super Bowl somewhere. Do this from Trevor Christensen on YouTube. Do you feel comfortable with the safety group next year, which I would assume no. would be technically. <laughs> well, I look at it this way. Kayvon Wallace, Amani Hooker, Elijah Molden. Would you feel comfortable with that group next year? No, not comfortable. Um, I'd, I'd be okay with it. Like safety is one of those positions where like, I don't feel like you need to have a knockout safety room. Like the Titans have had uh, on paper, at least a knockout safety room for the last, you know, what, two or three years ever since Amani Hooker and Kevin Byard kind of hooked up together. Um, and wh Ooh. where did it get them? You know, <laughs> it was spicy. <laughs> it is after dark. That's, that's a spicy um, information. <laughs> but uh, ever since those two started planning after together, hours, it is. Uh, I mean, like, but what's it got them? They've been terrible in past defense. So I, I just don't think it matters that much if you've got a great group of safeties or okay group of safeties. And I think Monty Hooker's still a good player. I'd imagine he's probably back. He's had a good season overall. Um, but I think they should probably look to upgrade that second spot a little bit over. I think ideally Molden is still like, I don't know, your fifth or sixth defensive back who comes in for dime and nickel packages and stuff like that. All right. Trevor Christensen again, but he says, do you think Rand will spin big or be conservative free agency? And we're going to tie this into a Bama Brad question. What is the uh, absolute minimum cap space we have to spend this year? Are there any current players who they will be looking to extend this offseason? So I want to tie the first part of that question of Bam Brad into with Trevor Christensen saying that they'll, 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 they need to spend roughly, they need to have like 10 to 11 million left. Like, I feel like if they have 10 to 11 million left after they sign free agency in the draft class, heading into the regular season, I feel like they spent enough and did enough to try their best in patched holes. Now, whether everything's successful or not is a totally different story, but there's going to be a lot of people hitting free agency that are going to leave voids. So I think that if we have like 11 million left over, that's what they do. Now, do I think Rand will spend the majority of that in free agency? It's really hard to say now because in my opinion, until we see the franchise tags, until we see who actually hits free agency or who's turning towards it in free agency, it's really hard to say because it's like, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, and a bunch of wide receivers, and all these good players don't hit free agency. Well, then you're going to ha have to you're going to have a problem with spending a lot of money towards free agency. So that's how I handle those two questions. Do you think we're going to spend big or be conservative? And what's the absolute minimum cap space we have to spend this year? I guess I would say I don't think there's an absolute minimum, but I would say that. If we are looking at eleven or twelve million dollars heading into the twenty twenty four season, hopefully we spend it in the right places. Yeah, I mean, look, look, they've got 
what is it, 81 million ish in cap space projected for next year, according to over the cap. But one thing from a minimum standpoint is that covers uh, 45 players total um, is what they currently have under contract for next season, uh, counting against whatever they've got in space. Um, and about 10 of those are like minimum guys who are probably not actually going to be on the roster. So they've got a ton of positions that need to be filled out with like actual NFL players. So like I would say the minimum is they're probably going to sign 10 guys in free agency and then, you know, try to fill out the rest with draft and UDFA. Um, Cause they, they probably only have like 35 guys who are like real NFL players currently under contract for next season. And a couple of those like Andre Dillard and uh, like maybe Luke Gifford are probably going to be released. I would guess. Um, Is Luke Gifford, I was seen on a one year deal. No, he was a two. Um, and then one, one other, I did notice they have Murphy bunting on here. Um, no, but he's a, he was a void year guy. So what, well, so they even have less than that. I thought Luke was a void year guy too. Yeah, because that that forty five number includes Tannehill, Henry, uh, Aziz Alshire, and Sean Murphy Bunting, who are all void year guys. So they really probably only have like thirty guys <laughs> that are real NFL players. So let me ask you this uh, to answer Bam and Brad's second question: Are there any current players who they will be looking to extend this offseason? I think we kind of talked about three of them, and I think we're pretty steadfast in these three: Danico, Sean Murphy Bunting. And Aziz Al Shair. Is there someone outside of those three that you are looking to extend? Maybe Brunskill if he plays center? Well, Brunskill's a two year guy. He's under contract next year. Is he a two year guy? I thought he was just a one year guy. No, he's he's a that's right. He is a two year guy. guy. Um I we talked about this actually via text earlier today. I wouldn't totally mind Chris Hubbard being back on this roster next year as like a part of a like backup or, or competitive situation at, at right tackle. Um, he was okay enough that I'd be happy to have him back at least as a camp competitor type guy. Um, outside of that, I don't think there's anyone else I would really be, you know, very interested in resigning. I mean, you could bring back like, and well, Morgan Cox, like if Morgan Cox wants to continue to play, I think you just keep paying him until like, He's ready yeah, to retire yeah. at this point. Um, uh, this Nick Folks last year, so like that would be a good person to probably yeah, bring back, right? Yeah, yeah, you probably want to bring back Nick Folk, um, unless you can somehow get Cade York back. Which uh, Cade York was kicking for somebody this past weekend, right? Was it the Giants or somebody? Did he actually kick for the Giants? Because didn't he get cut from the Giants and they get put back on the practice squad somewhere? I don't, I don't. Yeah, Cade York kind of bounced around for like three weeks. Places. Um, but yeah, probably you probably do want to bring back Nick Folk if you can. Um, and, and you know, maybe bring in a young kicker again to compete with them and see what happens there. But uh, that's about the extent of it, I think, from guys that are currently on the road. What about uh, Chris Moore? Would you bring back Chris Moore? Yeah, I think I would. I'd, I'd I think I'd back. bring back yeah. Chris Moore before I'd bring back NWI. I would too. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, I think he's more dynamic. Okay. Josh Grantham says, what's tight ceiling the floor for a first round pick with what's left in the season? I think we talked about that earlier, so I don't want to spend too much on this. Uh, we think that probably top 10. I, I think well, that's the, top 10. I had it in I had top it in 10 my, floor, uh, top three ceiling. 
I had it in my article today, so they could technically get to two if like all the results broke right, which oh my gosh. won't really happen. Like this, it's just not going to happen. Um, so technically, the the ceiling is two. Technically, the floor is twelfth. That is the lowest that they could possibly go if they win the next two games. This is an interesting question because this is the question I think we're going to get a lot heading into the offseason and everything. Does Vrabel make any coaching changes? Assuming he stays, and it's from Polar74 on YouTube as well. Um, I think the only one that... I, th- I think there's could be a couple different coaching changes that are like surface-level coaching changes as far as like... Pat O'Hara, if he gets fired, who has no real title, yeah, does that really change anything and do anything for you? Probably not. And I think I think the one named big name sort of guy that could get fired is Jason Hotelling. Like I think that's the guy that gets that gets fired. Um, I, I mean, I think everybody else is kind of safe. I, I I just don't see anybody else getting fired, but I think Jason Hotelling could be the one getting fired. Yeah, I mean, if you were going to make a move on defense, it would probably be in the secondary, but you just brought in uh, Chris Harris, and everyone thinks he's a really good coach. So, like, I, I think you just need to give him more time and better players uh, back there. So, I, yeah, I don't think there's a move on defense. We've talked about Rob Moore a little bit as far as the wide receivers. Oh coach. yeah, Rob if Moore. Maybe oh, like this. Maybe you move on from him. I wouldn't totally hate moving on from him. So hoteling more, I think, would be two guys to keep an eye on. Besides, like the Pat O'Hara's and the like, kind of super, superfluous guys. Uh, that right. are Joe Alt or Marvin Harrison Jr. Who are you taking? Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, I'm taking Joe Alt. I just, I uh, just can't. I can't. I can't watch this offensive line anymore. I'm. I'm it's, dead. It's awful. Don't get me wrong. It's awful. But I. I do think there's a certain level where wide. Like if you could get a wide receiver who was like a Jamar Chase, which I do think Marvin Harrison Jr. is like on that level. That that matters more than having like a franchise left tackle, in my opinion. And you could still get like a, a you know a decent tackle in the top of the second round, most likely Uh, maybe even a guy that you have a first round grade on that slips, you know? Um, So I'd, I'd probably go Harrison there just because I think he's the more elite player. Mark Jordan says on YouTube, will the Titans address tight end position? Maybe a veteran free agency. I, if it's a veteran free agency, it's just going to be a Trevon Wesco kind of guy. Yeah. I I I mean, I don't think, I don't think you're looking for any kind of like big, named free agent i no. i jig is coming on yeah and, and maybe he's just going to be that player that we're always going to say well you know now he's coming he's it's happening now it's in the last eight weeks of the season it's really happening but i think chick and josh wiley are the plan going forward i think kevin raider may be the next guy that is the trevon wesco or jeff swain i think they'll have a guy but i don't think he's going to be a guy that anybody's going to be excited about on West Car Kevin Ryder. I agree with that. I, I think it's likely that Jeff Swaim role that everyone inevitably will hate whoever you put into that role because they don't make catches. Um, but that's not really their job. Okay, so we got three more questions. Okay. So Ryan Fick has a really long question. I think it answers itself with, <laughs> with I, I think it does because like I think it I think it has our answers in the question. 
Okay. So Ryan Fix says, why do you think Burks is so bad? Specifically, is he not getting open, playing soft? It can't simply be he's not being targeted, in quotation marks. He he was a total bully in college and now the opposite. And I fully agree with everything he just said there. And so to me, it's like we've seen him get targeted in contested catch situations in college. And now we've seen him do it in the pros. And he is much better in college than he is in the pros. I, I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if it's a physical thing. Maybe it's a combination of the both. But I agree that me personally... I don't see a wide receiver one physicality from him on a catch per catch or target per target basis. It does not matter if he's getting two targets or three or 13 targets. He has done nothing to show that he should be targeted. And if he can only perform when he is targeted, then he's not a true number one wide receiver in my opinion, because we have seen AJ Brown produce when he's targeted two times when he's targeted 13 times. It does not matter. He he's not a physical player at this point in time, and maybe he will be in the future, but there is something between being not conditioned and not and what we see on the field. I don't know what it is, but we go back to his rookie year where he is not conditioned. He's missing time. He gets injured and missing time this year, and he gets injured and injured and injured. There's something about not having a consistency in his routine, and maybe that is the biggest issue, but I agree that it's not just because he's not being targeted. It's definitely not just that. I I think he is not a quick separator against uh, coverage, which hurts him on a team that does not have the protection to hold up for long developing routes down the field. Um, so I think if, if maybe they had better protection, maybe some of those deep routes where he is able to win, because I still see him winning on vertical routes. Like he is able to get on top of corners. He does that pretty well. Um, so there are still things that he does pretty well, but the problem is he does not tend to make the contested catches. He doesn't tend to make the difficult catches, at least not this year. Um, he did make a couple, obviously great catches last year that everyone remembers, you know, the Bengals, the Eagles, the Packers uh, games, those, those games, he all flashed that ability. So, like, it's probably still in there for him. I just think he's a guy that came in out of shape uh, to start his rookie year, you know, has dealt with the injury bug, and I think probably has suffered a little bit of a confidence uh, shot just uh, – because of the lack of production, because of the criticism from the fan base, not that, you know, uh, I'm not suggesting that he's out here, you know, name searching on Twitter or whatever, but it, it almost can't help but make its way to him when, you know, people are down on him as, as look, they should be. I mean, he's, he's got high expectations and he's not met them. Um, so whatever the reason for that is, it doesn't really matter. It's that, that he has not been, what he is supposed to be for this team. So, um, yeah, I just think it, it may just be a confidence thing because you're right. I mean, even the the run after catch stuff was something I expected him to be really good at and to translate at the NFL level. And he just, he doesn't break tackles. Like, it, they try to get him going on these end rounds and stuff like that. And, like, there's just nothing really there. Like, when's the last time you saw Traylon Burks just, like, you know, he'll stiff arm a guy every now and then, but like it, it's not a 
regular occurrence where it's just like, man, that guy's a beast to get on the ground. Like you see with Debo Samuel or, or AJ Brown, uh, the type of guys that he was expected to be more like. All right. Will Skaronsky be the only return starter in the offensive line next year? And will he stay at left guard? Yes, he will stay at left guard. 100%. I will say that I think that he's going to be one of two starters that we have seen in 2023 be a starter in 2024. I would assume Brunskill's the other one, but that's kind of where I'm at. There may be like a competition that lets another guy creep in. So I guess two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I think my guess is I'll go along with you that there will be two starters returning on the offensive line somewhere. Now, I'm not sure if it'll be Brunskill. I could see it being Raidens or Nicholas Petit-Frere who get, you know, weasel their way back into a starting role, uh, probably at right tackle, uh, you know, if they were to go left tackle in either free agency or high in the draft to solidify that position. Um, but, yeah, my guess is it's Skaronsky and one other guy uh, that's currently on the roster that are starters next year. And Polar74 to close this out says, if you could wave a magic wand, who and wand, who are the free agents you want to uh, the Titans assign? And Polar74, I'll t- direct you to last week's episode where we actually wrote to Dear Santa all about the free agencies, free agents that we want and how the draft picks that we want. So Polar74, go back and listen to last week's episode entitled Dear Santa Titans Christmas Wishlist. That will do it for us. It was a wild show that went in a bunch of different directions. So thanks to everyone that decided they were going to stick around and listen to this entire show. Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Go and get your liquor. Make sure to go before New Year's Eve because you don't want to go into the rush of all these crazy people and all these last-minute shoppers, go before New Year's Eve. Go now to Hendersonville, uh, Tennessee. Go to Bluegrass Beverages. They were actually open. Actually drove by. They were open on Christmas Eve. In the day, like Sunday. Like they, I don't know if that maybe that's not legal or not, but they were open on Christmas Eve, and I was very impressed. So go there now. Get your supplies in advance. Go get some beer, liquor, wine, whatever have you. Mixers, they have it all. They even have potato chips. Go to Bluegrass Beverages. Make sure that you are able to celebrate the new year with the finest liquor, wine, and beer that Hendersonville, Tennessee has to offer and probably the world. I don't really know if that's true, but it's a really, really good selection. Mike wrote about some things that you can watch for at the Tennessee Titans over these last five years, including, you know, DeAndre Hopkins trying to eat up, including DeAndre Hopkins trying to eat up some cap space of 2024 by hitting certain milestones, because that's how incentives work. That selfish bastard bear not hit any more incentives. We need all the cap space uh, for our entire off season. Enjoy. So, I will say the one one thing I am rooting for is I want I want Harold Landry to get at least one more sack and get to double digits because there's a lot as of long as long as Arden Key plays he will get he will get one as long <laughs> as long as Arden Key healthy because I mean Harold Landry can't do anything on his own he has to have his hand held by some other defender on this team including Bud Dupree uh, but I mean that's just how it goes for Harold Landry he's he can't do anything he, on his he own just, he just gets sacks. Eh, I mean, clean up sex. Um, 
You know, it takes him forever to get there. It's just like he's gifted these sacks. Um, that'll do it for us. You can follow Mike at Mike Herndon NFL on X. You can follow me on Efforts Pod on X. You can go to stackingthebox.com. You can go to podcastgate.com and subscribe. There's some big things coming for both those websites, I assume. I know specifically for Stacking the Inbox, there is. I don't know about podcastgate.com. But big things on the horizon for stackingthebox.com. You should be a paid subscriber now. Right now, get in on the ground floor because tomorrow, or probably by the time you're listening to this today, Thursday, December 28th, great article about the true value of a right tackle, which I know that really gets like the people going talking about offensive line play, but we're going to talk about it on secondinbox.com. And then Friday, we're going to have some Friday film sessions from Stoning. That's how stackinginbox.com works. If you're still listening to this this late in the game, don't forget a football show, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, Mondays and Thursdays. We're going to be off New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. I don't know which day is Monday, but we'll be back next Thursday, and we're going to be back today, maybe tomorrow, depending on where you're listening to this, Thursday, December 28th, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Me and Braden are going to be talking about football, because that's a football show. For Mike, I'm Zach. This has been football and other F-words, and you have just been effed.